The Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre, as he sat at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. He looked up and saw three men standing near him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent entrance to meet them and bowed down to the ground. He said, My Lord, if I find favor with you, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought, and wash your feet, and rest yourselves under the tree. Let me bring a little bread, that you may refresh yourselves, and after that you may pass on, since you have come to your servant. So they said, Do as you have said. And Abraham hastened into the tent to Sarah, and said, Make ready quickly three measures of choice flour, knead it, and make cakes. Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to the servant, who hastened to prepare it. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. You know what I really like about the approach to the Bible that I take in this podcast? By taking a story from the Bible and telling it from the beginning to the end, I force myself to look at all of those practical details of the story. I have to ask myself, how could this have happened? Or how could that have happened? I ask what it might have looked like if I had been there. And the surprising thing is that trying to answer those questions has often led me to discover some amazing things about these stories. But this short story from the book of Genesis shouldn't really cause me that much trouble, should it? I mean, yes, it has always been recognized that there is something rather fantastic about this story because, as it progresses, we discover that these strange visitors are not just ordinary people, but that Abraham's God, Yahweh, has actually come to visit him. But, of course, Abraham is not supposed to have realized that yet in this part of the story. So the visitors are just supposed to seem ordinary. So, really, this should be pretty easy to tell, right? It's just a story about a man and his wife fixing dinner. Yeah, this should be quite easy. Probably my shortest episode yet. So, let's just do this. This is Retelling the Bible. Episode 6.15 Guess Who's Coming to Dinner?
Abraham had been up with the sun. The work of a nomadic herder never seemed to end. He had been out, walking among the cattle, checking to see if there were any who were showing signs of sickness or lameness. He had sent out some scouts to try and discover where they ought to take the herds once they had consumed all of the fodder in this place. He had met with his chief herders to make sure that everyone working for him was pulling their weight. But now, the hottest part of the day had come. And that was not a time for work. It was a time for everyone to find a little bit of shade and shelter and rest up. Perhaps take a little nap before the rest of the work had to be completed. So Abraham was just sitting outside of his tent, where he was glad to be catching a small breeze that was blowing through. In fact, he was just drifting off to sleep when he noticed something very strange. He blinked and rubbed his eyes because he couldn't quite believe it. But it was true. Despite the hour and the extreme heat, there were three men who were traveling. They came walking by his encampment, heading from north to south, only a few paces away. Abraham was suddenly wide awake. These were travelers, strangers, people on the move. This was a situation that demanded action and demanded it right now. For a man like Abraham, a man who had a reputation for wealth and honor to keep up, it was simply unthinkable that someone might pass through his encampment and receive anything less than the best hospitality imaginable. If these travelers went on their way today without having been given the kind of welcome that they would talk about to every single person they met further down the road that they traveled, Abraham would have been mortified. It might take him years to rebuild his fabulous reputation. And then, of course, there was the other thing. People often told stories of men like Abraham who welcomed strangers to their tables and then discovered that they had actually entertained a god. And it was not as if Abraham thought that any such thing could ever happen to him, but there really was no point in letting even the remote possibility of such a thing pass him by. So, there was no time to lose. Abraham jumped up immediately 
and ran as fast as he could towards the travelers. As soon as he got their attention, he bowed down low, his head almost touching the ground, and he said, My lord, if I find favor with you, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought, and wash your feet, and rest yourselves under the tree. Let me bring a little bread, that you may refresh yourselves, and after that you may pass on, since you have come to your servant. The strangers looked at each other. One of them shrugged and said to the others, I don't know about you guys, but a little morsel of bread would kind of hit the spot right now. And another one of them then looked at Abraham, splayed out on the ground, and said, Sure, you may do for us, as you have said. Abraham smiled to himself as he got up off the ground, brushed off his clothes, and headed back into the heart of his encampment. Yes, yes, he thought. That was just perfect. I made sure to set their expectations really low. I promised them nothing more than a morsel of bread and a bit of water. Oh, they are going to be amazed when they see the meal that I put in front of them. And with that, Abraham ran eagerly to his personal tent and called out to his wife, Sarah, inside. Quick, Sarah dear, I want you to take three measures of your very best flour and bake some cakes. We've got visitors. Okay, let's just pause for a moment here. If I want to imagine Sarah making her cakes, I kind of need to know how much flour we're talking about. Three measures, huh? Well, surely that isn't very much flour. Maybe like three cups? That might be enough to make a little bit of bread, like Abraham has promised, for three people. But let's just check. Okay. So, the original Hebrew text says that he told her to take three siyas. That's a Hebrew word for a measurement. But how big is a sia? Um, internet? How big is an ancient Hebrew sia? According to the Strong's Concordance Dictionary, a sia is approximately the size of one and a half pecks. One and a half pecks? Huh. That's not very helpful. I mean, yeah, maybe that would be helpful if I knew how many pickled peppers Peter Piper picked when Peter Piper picked a peck of them, but 
since I don't know how many pickled peppers Peter Piper picked when he picked a peck of pickled peppers, I think I'm going to have to convert that into something I can understand. So, if one sia is as big as one and a half pecks, then three sias would be about four and a half pecks. Internet, convert four and a half pecks into cups. Four and one half pecks equals 168 cups. A hundred and sixty-eight cups? That seems like a lot of flour. Hey, Internet. How much would one hundred and sixty-eight cups of flour weigh? That depends. Is the flour sifted or unsifted? Sifting changes the volume. How should I know that? Abraham didn't say whether the flour had to be sifted or not. Okay, Internet. Let's say 168 cups of sifted flour. How much would that weigh in pounds and in kilograms? 168 cups of sifted flour weighs 53.70 pounds or 24.36 kilograms. 25 kilograms? Man, that's a lot of dough. But we must leave poor Sarah to figure out where she's going to find a bowl big enough to mix 25 kilograms of flour because that was just Abraham's first stop after leaving his guests. He left the tent and then rushed over to the place where his substantial herd was penned up. He looked over his fine collection of animals and his eye quickly picked out the young calf that had been born that spring. A fine and healthy young beast. He grabbed his knife and headed towards it. To slaughter a calf is not the work of a moment. It is the kind of job that takes skill and practice. In the ancient world, it was also a sacred job that could not be carried out without taking time to invoke the gods and properly devote a portion to them. But Abraham carried out those duties that properly belonged to him as the head of this family as quickly as he could before turning the carcass over to his trusted slave, Eliezer, to prepare the animal, light the fires, and begin to roast some of it and boil up a stew with the rest. The three men sat outside of Abraham's tent. Ever since their host had sprung up and run off, having promised them what he had promised, they had been waiting. Finally, stomach rumbling, one of them turned to his neighbor. 
he did say he was going to get us just a little bread, didn't he? How long does that take? The other shrugged. Sarah had just managed to mix all of her flour together with water, salt, and of course, the yeast from the pot that she had kept alive ever since the day she had received it from her mother when she left to join Abraham's household. She eyed the huge mound of dough that her husband had told her to mix up. She wasn't sure, but it seemed as if it was already growing. She quickly separated it into separate loaves. There were dozens and dozens of them. And now, of course, she would have to wait as it rose. Meanwhile, she would set about building a fire big enough to bake all of this bread. She sure hoped that her husband knew what he was doing. Eliezer was tending several fires of his own. He had an entire leg of calf up on a spit, and he had to run back and turn it every few minutes. Much of the rest of the animal was in a large cauldron, which was just coming to a boil. It was starting to smell quite good, but as he prodded the flesh with a fork, he could tell that there was still a lot of cooking yet to do. I spy with my little eye something that is gray. Is it that stone? No. Is it that one? No. Is it that one over there? You got me. Okay. It's your turn. And where was Abraham all this time? Well, he was running around and fussing over details like the tablecloths and napkins. He ran back into the kitchen tent where Sarah was sweating as she shifted her cakes around the fires. If she was also swearing at her husband under her breath, he didn't notice. Sarah, darling, he said, do you know where the good cups were put away when we set up camp here? I was thinking we should offer our guests some of our delicious milk as well. So Sarah stopped what she was doing and went and got him the cups that, of course, had been sitting out in plain view all the time. And then Abraham ran off to find a pail to milk a few cows. As he ran back towards the herd with the cups and the pail, he passed Eliezer as he worked away at all the veal on his cook fires. That's smelling pretty good, he cried out to his servant as he flew by. How much longer do you think it'll be? Not long, Eliezer called back. 
It'll only take a couple of hours to cook it through now. The three visitors had drifted off to sleep. By the time that Abraham came back with the meal he had promised. Far from the little bit of bread he had said he would give them. He returned with the roasted and boiled veal, a large pot of cheese and milk, and so many flour cakes that it took him dozens of trips to bring them all. The strangers quickly found all of the boredom and impatience that had overtaken them as they waited and waited and waited for the meal, melting away with the onslaught of food that was actually quite delicious. Soon they were laughing and talking with Abraham as they enjoyed it. Before long, and long before this seemingly infinite supply of cakes had been consumed, they lapsed into a contented silence for a while. Eventually one of the visitors stirred and asked, Say, Abraham, where is that wife of yours? I really feel as if I should compliment her on these delicious cakes. I feel like I've eaten 40 of them. Sarah? Abraham replied, pointing behind him. She's back there, in the tent. Tell you what, said the visitor. Next time I come to visit you, she will have a son. And Sarah, who was, of course, listening at the flap of the tent, laughed because she thought that that was the most ridiculous thing that she had heard all day. And that is really saying a lot. something about this story that stretches credulity and I think it is quite intentional. Abraham promises so little to his guests and then actually produces a meal that is so huge that the contrast itself is comical. This is meant to be a story of ridiculous an unbelievable excess. The writer of this story is trying to show us that Abraham's hospitality was so extreme that it was simply ridiculous. That is kind of the point of the story. It is saying that when we treat strangers and outsiders right, good things will come to us. As a result of their over-the-top hospitality, Abraham and Sarah are given the one thing that they have been longing for more than anything, the promise of the birth of a child within the year. Their hospitality is also contrasted, of course, 
with what happens when two of these strange visitors go on to the city of Sodom, and there they receive the very opposite of good hospitality. The punishment that was visited upon Sodom as a result is, of course, famous. But, for the moment, can we just dwell on the absolutely wild fact that when it says in the Bible that Sarah took three measures of flour, that is a whole lot of dough. That is it for this episode of Retelling the Bible. Please subscribe so you can get the next episode in a couple of weeks. And sure, please leave a review on your podcast provider to help other people find and appreciate this podcast. The theme music for the podcast is Ada by Kevin McLeod. And the mood music for this episode is Cinematic Suspense Series Episode 9 by Sasha End. Sound effects come from zapsplat.com. The music is licensed under the Creative Commons and can be found at filmmusic.io. You can contact me on Twitter at Retelling Bible, on the Facebook page Retelling the Bible, or through the show notes for this episode that have been posted at retellingthebible.wordpress.com. This is Retelling the Bible, and I have been your storyteller, W. Scott McCandless.